You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hey, a quick question for you before the episode starts. Do you want to up-level your communications with the must-have behavioral science skills for 2021? If that's a yes, then come and join the hundreds of professionals that have already been through bootcamp. The next date is October the 19th, 2021. And we have got an awesome, incredible, amazing bonus for you. So I'm going to leave you hanging and check it out at www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. So hello and welcome to Professor Alan Tapp. We're so delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Alan is a professor of social marketing at Bristol Business School. He is a leading thinker in the world of social marketing and has published many books and papers. He currently works with the South Gloucestershire County Council on COVID, in response to COVID, and also with Dorset County Council and other clients include the Welsh government. So Alan really does know what he's talking about. And today's episode, we're going to focus in on the role of segmentation as a key principle when you're applying social marketing. So Alan and I have just had a little pre-chat before the podcast to talk about this. And I think probably what we'll do is just hand to Alan as a professor. And he has quite rightly stated, this is a really, really big subject segmentation. There are you know, when you do your master's or MBA, you know, you you can study this for a good term. There's many, many books on it. But today, what we're going to focus on is just some of the pressures that you might experience when trying to apply social marketing and a quick refresh on why it's important. And as Alan has already said, you know, actually, do we always need to segment? So I'm going to hand over to you, Alan. Thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Please just start with saying a little bit about yourself and then we'll move on to segmentation. Um, Yeah, I've been in social marketing, I guess, for about 15 years or so. And before then, I was an academic in other types of marketing. And before then, I was a commercial marketer for a while. My background originally was direct and database marketing which has gone badly out of fashion these days. Everybody talks about digital and internet stuff. But uh, back in the day, we uh, we used to do uh, a lot of direct database work, but, you know, pre-internet. So that, that's my background. Thank you, Alan. So segmentation has been around forever, hasn't it? It's one of the core principles that stretches every discipline of marketing. So we're going to look at it today through the lens of social marketing. And just to start with, what would you say is different about when thinking about segmentation within the kind of local authority sector or NHS sector? Yeah, that's a great question. Social marketing and segmentation is different to commercial marketing segmentation where the likes of uh, IBM or Tesco who use club cards data to segment have got a free reign commercial companies pretty much a free reign to just make a commercial decision about whether their segmentation should go ahead or not in the first place whether to segment at all and if they do desegment exactly who they then target and that's a, a return on investment decision 
Well, you've got to bear in mind, of course, in all of these things is that segmenting is a cost. It costs time. It's quite effortful. It's quite intensive. And it can cost money in various different ways in data gathering about um, customers or the general public. And so coming back to the social marketing sphere, you've got an interesting decision to make about whether or not the costs of segmenting create getting the data, splitting people up into different groups, men, women, young, old, or how they behave, whether they smoke heavily or whether they, they are trying to quit and so on. And then you can create groups and those different characteristics and or behaviors. And then you can treat those groups differently. So that's the essence of segmentation. And it, and it can be very fruitful. You can get more back by treating, for example, with cycling, which I work in a lot, treating men and women differently. And it's, it, these are always crude stereotypes, of course, but segmentation to some extent relies on these things. But, but if you split people up into different groups, you might get more back. However, there's a cost involved, as I said. The other interesting aspect about social marketing is that quite often you're operating in a political sphere. And what I mean by that is, for example, a local authority. I worked with Bristol City Council many years ago on cycling and um, the laying of cycling paths in Bristol, which was an interesting thing to be involved in. And we knew that we could get more bang for our buck by focusing on areas of Bristol that had, for example, recently graduated quite young people there. But the council, quite rightly, has to make a political decision about whether or not they want to go to all areas of Bristol because everyone's a voter. And so they laid cycle tracks throughout Bristol, and that may well have been the right thing to do. But if they were a commercial company, they would just concentrate on areas of Bristol that had the most likely return. So that's why, in so many ways, social marketing is harder than commercial marketing. It's so often just a tricky thing to, you've got more stuff in play. Yeah, I think that's so true. And that will resonate a lot with everyone listening. Because, yeah, when you're in the local authority and you are leading the comms or the marketing, you are part of often a board and there's very senior management on there and budget holders as well as political councillors. And again, in the NHS as well, you know, you may not have the councillors, the political side, but you do have often very, you know, very committee style led decision making, whereas marketing is part of that decision. And Ideally, you know, segmentation is something that you would really push for if you really want to, you know, get your messages to resonate, take the time to deeply understand your audience. From what you were saying about return on investment, that's not a phrase I think we hear often enough in social marketing. Because for me, it implies that you're also evaluating. You know what the investment is and you know what the return is. And so often what we see is just content and comms just coming and coming, but there's no loop back. And so I like what you said there because it's segmentation implies that you will also evaluate the impact that your marketing is having. Yeah, it's tricky. I don't think that everyone should beat themselves up about this. Commercial companies that have been doing this, like financial services companies that sell credit money related services to consume to everyday consumers have been segmenting for decades. They've been they've been gathering data for, for decades and they, they record everything and collect everything and it and then they fine tune it over a long period of time 
It takes a long time and all that. There's no need to beat ourselves up over this. It's, we're not in that kind of position where we're just selling one particular product to one particular, you know, we're, we're moving from one thing to another but in local government or national government. And so let's relax a little bit about it. It's more to do with the feel for how, if you've got, for example, with local government, if you've got a lot of data already in play, the, one of the dangers is you can, the, the data is already there, you know, the various health data and hospital episodes, stats or whatever it is that you might have to hand. Or Mosaic, you may have Mosaic or Acorn, and you've got some quite fancy stuff going on with the geography of your area. That can lead to a problem of its own, which is too much. There's just It gets too complicated. And then the question that you've then got is you've done this quite fancy sort of thing you know, someone with a spreadsheet and a map and all sorts of things. And then, oh, right, what now? You know, yeah. you give it to the comms department and they say, I'm sorry, I'm having enough trouble getting one sort of messages out and I just can't manage, and the key word here is manage, I can't manage 34 different segments with 34 different messages. And so you've overcooked the start of it all and you end up undercooking the end of it, end point of it all. And so I would avoid that. Keep it simple. Have a good think. Hover above it all. Have a good old think. There's no substitute for, for just sort of sitting down and getting some insights, some insight work, some market research, and then using that to sit and think and plan. Right. If it's COVID work, what is it that what is it about some groups that might be much, much more important than others? And then you move from segmenting to targeting. And a lot of time, people mistake the two things. So segmenting is splitting people out into different groups. Targeting is picking one or picking two. And in the case of COVID work, as we know, we're picking on um, uh, uh, groups that, for example, might be vaccine hesitant or groups that might be a bit more resistant to social distancing. And you, you just pick out the stuff that you know to be important, or do you, often it's, it's deprived areas. It's all too often in social marketing, it's low-income deprived areas that may need more attention or a different type of approach to, you know, posher or wealthier areas. So you just pick on the things that are really important and focus in on them. That's brilliant advice. Thank you. Keep it simple and do not overcook it. Mm. And thank you also for linking that with the channels. There's absolutely no point, you know, having these wonderful segmentation strategies, etc. If you don't actually have the channels to deliver the messaging through. And I know there is a shift to paid channels, um, you know, paid advertising where you can kind of employ an agency to manage all these variables for you. But ultimately, sustainable, you know, communications that is running through the councils and the NHS all the time does not have those teams of market researchers and data analysts that the commercial organisations have. But so thank you. That's brilliant advice because keeping it simple, not overcooking it. And anyone who's ever read a public health needs assessment will be clapping now, Alan. And I'm sorry, I love you all, my public health consultant friends, but... Oh my goodness, they do take a day to read and you have to keep marketing simple because if you lose your message, the simplicity in your message, you know your target audience will never understand it. Mm. So I've got a question for you and I genuinely don't know what you're going to say because this mm. question is Marmite. Do you like personas? Would you like to tell me a bit more about what a persona, you mean yeah, creating so, 
creating personality profiles out of market research. Yeah, so a one-page kind of overview or one to three maybe page overview of, like you say, that insight that was mentioned. Maybe you've done some community group engagement or some online focus groups and you just need to capture, you know, two or three core insights to drive the messaging. And personas are a nice little way. You often have a photo on there, images, brands. They just help to keep bring the audience to life, really, keep everyone on the same page when they're thinking about the audience. Um, yeah, you've, well, you've answered it yourself. You obviously love them, Ruth. And I, I do, uh, I love um, them. Yes. Well, <laughs> but uh, I know some be... people hate them. You can hate them, I um, won't mind. I've never come across that. I, I love all good marketing, social marketing, starts with insights. And the word insight is a is a great word. It, it's something surprising about some facts or stuff that surprises us that we didn't think we knew. You know, that's an insight. An insight is something that's like, ooh, it's an ooh moment. And that's what an insight is. And, uh, and those are drivers of good marketing design. That's the deal. And so I... That's what I get out of bed in the morning to to, uh, to try and discover. It's defined an awful lot of my career, and that's really the business we're in, in, in my field, in research, obviously, in academia, just trying to uncover stuff, you know, and stuff that we don't fully understand is to understand it better. And I think that should, that sense of curiosity about why people behave the way they do or don't should drive good social marketing across the piece. So that's that's my sort of slightly left field answer to you, Ruth. Yeah, persona's fine. Insights. Well, thank you. Honestly, I couldn't could have paid you to say that so perfectly <laughs> about insight driving everything because it yeah, really yeah. truly does doesn't it yes and it can lead you to targeting another audience in a different way using different channels the insight really is the bridge between you and your audience oh that's wonderful i think just so take away moments then for anyone thinking oh no how do i segment i've got these you know pressure they've told me i need to reach the whole of the population or you know I've only got a tiny budget what you were saying about not not really needing don't worry about segmentation but actually perhaps focus on just who you target a little bit more is that what you you were saying you always need to segment if you're going to target you need to segment in the what does the word segment actually mean it means getting hold of some information about your population at the start of it that enables you to split out that population into two or more groups. And it it does rely on data information, that kind of thing. You can go on a hunch. You could say, oh, I think men behave over here, and I think women behave in this way, and therefore I'm going to split out men and women because I think I can approach them in a different way, or I just go to the women. I mean, with cancer checking, self-checking for cancer, Men are men are really terrible at it. Women are much, general by and large. Again, these things are stereotypes. They're they're um, catch-all phrases. There are always going to be exceptions to these things, but by and large, men are rubbish at going to the doctor. They tend to need nagging, you know. And so, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, work I've done on this suggests that father daughter. If the father's if there's a daughter, the daughter can put an awful lot of pressure on the father. 
to, and the father responds to it. So the dad-daughter thing, you know, you get the daughter to nag the dad, the dad goes to the doctor. And, that, right. you know, these things are effective. So it's that kind of sort of thinking, and again, driven by an insight. The insight is dads tend to listen to their daughters and they respond emotionally to their, their daughter nagging them rather than just sort of getting messages direct from the GP or something. And there's the insight. And then the segmentation, right? Okay. Splitting up dads and, and mums. And then the targeting, go to the, go to the daughter to go to the dad. So that's how you sort of connect up the dots. And you, before you know it, you've got yourself a decent sort of social marketing plan. But all that relies on data. It relies on a little bit of insight. It might rely on a bit of market research or a bit of research of some sort before you get to that point and you you understand what's going on. Yeah. So thank you. So I think definitely the role is to use the data that's in the organisation, even if you can't go out and purchase or commission market research, you have got your public health consultants and you'll have most of the people sitting around that table will have some knowledge and understanding as well. Anecdotal, but as well as evidence-based, they'll have data coming in to help focus work. So, oh, that's fantastic. I feel like we've sort of placed segmentation in a box in a way, but more in a way that it's important, but only as it's taking you to the next step. It's important because you need to segment your audience in order to be able to target. But managing political pressures is completely understanding that actually your segmentation could be a lot more complicated than commercially. So do not beat yourself up on that. No. It was wonderful advice from you, Alan, about the sense of curiosity. So if you start your comms planning, your marketing planning, not worrying about segmentation, but instead thinking, how do I get curious about my audience? I think we get a lot more creative and energized responses and plans coming out. Absolutely. So, thank you, Alan. So we're going to finish on our two questions. One question is, of course, what book would you recommend anyone reads if they're starting out in social marketing? Well, there's lots of good textbooks in social marketing. And the, the European ones, I think, are, are really good. The Gerald Hastings book is, is fantastic. If your focus is on comms and messaging, then I would read a book called Persuasion by a guy called Herbert Simons, who's an American guy. And it's fantastic. He talks about propaganda a lot and about uh, dark arts of persuasion or that you can sort of use for, for good rather than for, for bad. And it's an extremely interesting book. So Simons, as in S-I-M-O-N-S. Herbert Simons. We'll link that up in the show notes. Thank you. And the final question, this started because everyone was coming out of lockdown and wanting to cheer the world, spread some love. Um, what makes you your best self? Uh, I'm at my happiest when I'm... Last week, actually, I was at the Gower in uh, West Wales. Uh, I live in Wales. I'm a Welshman with an English accent, but uh, with the kids and the family. And my kids are grown up now. So having grown up kids who are willing to um, to pay for uh, your dinner in a restaurant, that's fantastic. And they they make more importantly, they make me they make me laugh. They make me proud. So that was a hard, I know that's a bit gushy, but uh, there you go. It was a genuine sort of uh, wonderful sort of family time. And then I'm up uh, more selfishly up a mountainside. Clipped in on a steep ground, but feeling safe. There's no finer feeling than, than being an adventurous spot on a mountain. 
but feeling nice and sort of snug and safe at the same time. So I, uh, that's a bit of an acquired taste. I'll leave your uh, listeners to make what of that what they want. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alan. That's fantastic. And we are recording this just before Father's Day, so I do hope your children do something special for you. I doubt it. No, <laughs> I, think I think I've used up my credit. <laughs> 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 oh well thank you so much and no problem if um, anyone would like to get in touch with you are you on LinkedIn anyone like to follow your work how can they do that uh, they can email me uh, I'm at uh, UE Bristol so UWE Umbrella Whiskey Echo and so you're very welcome to contact me email's the easiest and I'm, I'm an email addict so I respond quickly to emails and things oh good to know thank yep. you so much again take care cheers bye Thanks for listening and don't forget to check out the Autumn Bootcamp on our website www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Check out the new bonus and please do book your place because spaces are limited. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually.